Soul Moments with Ariel Corey. This podcast has been such a beautiful journey so far, and we're only just getting started. My name is Ariel Corey. I am an intuitive mentor, energy worker, and light worker living here in Denver, Colorado. I am all about all things authentic, raw, honest, and female empowerment. I am so, so grateful to have you listening here today and hope that you enjoy all of these beautiful unscripted soul moments as you listen to them one at a time. Welcome, welcome. Today's episode is so special, so near and dear to my heart, and filled with such magic that I don't even know what to say to introduce this episode. It is unlike anything else that has been on this podcast thus far. It was recorded a few weekends ago, nestled in the mountains of Nederland, Colorado, with three mm, magical, magical women, Kelly Tennant, Stephanie Donna Elizabeth, and Emily Green. They flew in from Canada and California to spend the weekend in the mountains with me. And it was filled with such deep conversation, such healing, such release, and just magic. So one of the last nights we were all together, we decided to record the most epic podcast ever with all four of us together. And no script, just started talking. I play my guitar in the beginning and in the end. We chatted for hours. It went from light to sunset to pure darkness, and it felt like no more than 30 minutes to us. But upon hitting stop, we realized over two hours had gone by. So then we had a choice to make. Do we slice up this podcast episode, or do we just release it into the wild while it's totally unlike anything else Steph has released on her podcast, The Girl Kind Podcast. It's unlike anything Kelly Tennant has posted on her podcast, Ceremony Wellness, and it's certainly very out of character for mine. And you will be able to find this episode on all three of our podcasts. For now, this is my launch. And I have chose I have chosen to keep it raw, fully intact. So sit back relax, drive, garden, hike, whatever it is you're doing. You can listen to it in segments, but for me, it just felt so wrong to slice up our magic because the energy in that cabin while we were recording this was just so incredible. We talk about relationships. We talk about bullying. We talk about stepping into our power, owning our light, no longer dimming who we are, We talked about manifestation, and Emily shares some crazy beautiful insights into her mediumship abilities. We talk human design. We talk so many different things. So if you're ready, hit play. Listen to the end. Soak in the magic. Let me know your thoughts. 
And this is our little way of inviting you into what will become an annual event of a girls' weekend. Enjoy. shit that was beautiful girls weekend girls I weekend i know me too so that was amazing that was so good god damn girl someone get this girl a record deal i know <laughs> sign me up <laughs> so should we set the stage for where we are before we get into this yes mm-hmm. should we talk about our moose friend charlie 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 the Moose. Charlie and his friend. Well, his friend attacked someone today. He made it through his life. <laughs> he made it through his life. Possibly. <laughs> we escaped, mm-hmm. even though we stopped on the side of the road to look at Charlie for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and played moose calls off the back porch. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. The best part was this morning when Steph screams out from upstairs, mm-hmm. and we have, for the last couple of days, have thought there was a ghost in the house. There is. So we're thinking yes. that. The ghost got her, but she is brushing her teeth and wants us to come see a moose. So we all go running up, mm-hmm. and then we all come running downstairs, and she keeps the toothbrush in her mouth for 10 minutes. That was a good toothbrush. Was a Your good teeth toothbrush. are real clean. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want you to miss it. Yeah. So it's girls weekend. Mm-hmm. Four of us in Colorado, Airbnb, drinking wine, mm-hmm. recording pods, mm-hmm. talking about sex. Pulling cards. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't tell your dirty story. story. Yeah, anyway. 
secrets come out on Girls Weekend. Oh my god. <laughs> so funny. So thank you for starting the show with that beautiful song. Shout out Maggie Rogers. Yeah. We all love thank her. You, Maggie. Yeah. And Pharrell. Yes, and Pharrell. For I just watched that video the other day with Connor. I cry every time. Holy crap. Did I didn't he discover her? I think you sent me the video because Cam saw it. Or maybe I sent it to Cam. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, so Maggie Rogers was just at school. And it was her project to show a song that she had been working on. And the song was Alaska. And Pharrell Williams was there. And Pharrell listened to it. And he was like, no one is doing this. And this is amazing. And she was like, really? I've never seen it. It was re- We should it's watch so it later. Good, yeah. Don't cry. Mm. It's good. Yeah, just watching him and her rock out to her song. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing was just epic. It was beautiful. Yeah. So I think... We've had a lot of intense conversations today, I think, as a group and kind of one-on-one, you and I on the deck earlier, and something that I think has come up for all of us is this idea of bullying and why women don't feel supported and how Mm -hmm. that's really played a role in our lives, and Ariel, you were talking earlier about this being the first time you've been in a room of women and Mm -hmm. friends where you weren't scared to leave the room. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's pretty special that people that have actually never met in person because this is the first time for most of us to meet stay in a house for days and there's such a trust and an understanding that we're not here to talk badly behind each other's backs we're here to support each other Mm -hmm. and it's just such a such a turn of events from what I've experienced in my life absolutely a complete 360 from every experience that I've had in female friendship yeah and I think too on a business level we were talking about that yesterday we all do fairly similar things but there's no hesitation or fear or anxiety around sharing and lifting up what each of us are doing and sharing it openly with people that are our friends and potential clients because there's space for all of us and I think that's the key to changing the world is having more women truly support one another and Mm -hmm. not just kind of going along with the women supporting women thing because it's a thing Mm -hmm. but because they wholeheartedly believe in it Mm -hmm. well and I think for you too what does it feel like to be your age you're 28 right Mm -hmm. to be 28 and feel like this is the first time you feel safe Mm -hmm. around other women honestly I I thought that was kind of a normal thing to share and you guys were like wait what do you mean this is your first girls weekend and your first time feeling safe in this way Mm -hmm. Um, So I think stepping out of my own experience and sharing that with you guys and realizing like, oh, that's not a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say the first day, I was sharing this with Emily this morning, I was super excited to be here, but also found myself dipping in waves of, is this real? And am I saying the right thing? And am I doing this right? Because Mm -hmm. it had been the first time. Um, So I think just letting myself feel safe in general in life has definitely been the theme of 2019 so far. Um, And I just hope that everyone gets to experience this long before they're 28. Mm. You know? It wasn't really until I left the room yesterday and didn't feel like, oh, should I not leave all the way so I can hear what they're saying? Mm. 
and I felt safe to actually like go to the second floor and go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and then come back when I felt like it and you went and take you went and took a nap and that was totally fine mm-hmm. so I think just kind of experiencing this sort of friendship has just shifted what friendship can be like and what safe can be like and what female relationships can be like mm-hmm. for me and the fact that that's more normal to mm-hmm. actually think like mm-hmm. there's a chance you yeah. know that when I leave that maybe you know things are going to be said mm-hmm. or you know and then cu- returning to the room and like is it going to be weird energy when I walk back in will they all of a sudden stop talking mm. it's so sad but I think that is very normal for a lot of people mm. Yeah, I think I think it is too. You've worked with so many young mm-hmm. women. Is that a theme that's come up for you so, so much? much? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For everybody, literally. Like yeah. I don't think any woman or girl doesn't have a story where they felt like either isolated or bullied or whatever by other women and girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think it's too so that's twofold. It's like she's judging me, but then I'm judging me. Yeah. So what's the judgment? Mm-hmm. Is it me and like I don't like myself, so I'm scared to walk into a room? Or is it that I actually do believe that she won't like me because she's proven she won't? That's where I would always get caught. Like, Where is that coming from? Yeah. Am I projecting this or is this reality? Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of that yesterday. I was telling Emily, I was like, do I talk too much? Because sometimes after I would share something, because we share Girls Weekend got deep quick. Yeah, real quick. And I would share something and then afterwards be like, oh, should I not have shared that? Was that too much? Mm-hmm. Was that too long? And then in that moment, because I'm safe in this space with all of you, I realize that's my stuff mm-hmm. to work through. Yeah. And what do you notice, though, when you share things that are hard or deep that you haven't necessarily shared with other people? What do you notice in the reaction of this group? 100% support and that you guys relate to it, even if you haven't lived through that exact thing. Mm-hmm. And like this, we have each shared something at one point or another this weekend that has been um, a newly recovered memory or something that we haven't shared with others or just something uncomfortable to share in general. And there has been... We're all giggling. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to tell you guys all our secrets, but holy (laughs) shit, if you only knew. If you could see this room right now. Um, there's just been such this sacred special space held after we've each shared whatever it was and then without determining like who's going to respond first Mm -hmm. we've all just kind of gone around the room and shared such insane loving wisdom that's been really special Mm -hmm. it's interesting to like recognize what it does bring up in you though to just be around women Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And I think for your question, it is kind of both. Like, I think it's a projection of the stuff that's inside, but then also you've had bad experiences. Totally. And that shouldn't be the norm. Yeah. How do we change it? Hmm. More of this. Mm. More space that feels safe. Exactly. And I think more, well, less fixing or judgment Mm. or biased opinion and just like wow that's really hard or I see you Mm. or thank you for sharing Mm. or 
I don't have an experience similar, but this is all what That's I've experienced. So true. Yeah. It actually, Ariel, that actually happened earlier where you shared something and I didn't really like have a response except for like just like a blanket statement mm-hmm. or like, yeah, and like acknowledging it. And after I remember thinking like, wow, should I have like dug in deeper? You know, but then thinking that's kind of what we do a lot of the time that we think like I have to have the thing to say right mm-hmm. or like okay I need to fix this because it's uncomfortable right you know like if you share something if someone shares something uncomfortable with you like the first reaction sometimes is like how do I fix this but a how lot of I make it go away and a lot of times it's because the person that's receiving the something that's mm-hmm. uncomfortable is uncomfortable with being uncomfortable yeah so if I just quickly come up with something to fix it or make them feel better or divert the conversation yeah. then I'm no longer uncomfortable and hopefully they still feel yeah heard. and that was like my second thought my first yeah. thought was like shoot did she need something that like I didn't mm-hmm. give and then I was like no it's like okay to have silence yeah. after like cool we'll just sit with that that's also been a huge thing this weekend is we've had deep conversations we've had like stomach cramping laughter we've hiked but my most favorite moments were when we were just kind of all sitting on the porch in silence but it wasn't uncomfortable, like, what should I ask next to keep the conversation going? Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. peaceful silence around women who get each other. I learned that when I started going to this place called Women's Space in L.A. And you sit in circle, but the rule in the room is that you can't respond back to mm. anyone who talks. You're just holding space. So there's no judgment. There's no crosstalk. There's no advice giving. Holy that. crap, is that different? Because I think, well, we were just talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. women need to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily need your advice. No, we actually don't want it. Right. No, but we're generally. so, we still want to jump, and I do this myself, and I really am trying to work on this. I so jump in and want to give advice all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes someone just needs to be fucking heard. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't been heard for 25 years. They've been ignored. They've been suppressed. They've been laughed at. Mm-hmm. They don't feel understood. And sometimes they just need to say what's on their mind without feeling like they're going to be judged without another voice in their head. There's and another voices. thing saying, like, you need to be fixed. Yes. Like, this thing you're telling me, not good. Let's switch it up. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, whoa, yeah, that's big. Yeah. That's, like, life-changing as well. Mm-hmm. So talking about holding space, energy worker, how do, like how, how do you hold space for someone if they're, like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but I don't know how to hold space, mm. you know? I mean, in my work, I think that a lot of what I do, I'm a psychic medium, and sometimes sometimes people come to me, truly sometimes they're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, support or guidance or clarity or whatever, but I would say a lot of the time they know that I am here and I'm sitting across from them and I'm just listening, you know, I'm listening to what they have to say and sometimes a lot of the time they talk themselves through what they needed to say or what they need to express and they're like oh I know exactly what I need to do Mm. or you know and I didn't say a word not even one thing and that's all they needed so that's really profound just if you think about that um you know and just saying at the end wow you know you really did you knew you knew what to do you knew what you needed to say you knew what you needed to express and usually someone else would have something to respond, which is why it's so powerful that yeah. you just like let them kind of walk through it themselves. Yeah. Sometimes I say three words mm-hmm. and they're like, that was amazing. Thank you. To get it out. Like no one has ever let them just say it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you feel like I feel this way, at least for me, is this idea of a lack of safety. Mm. I have felt very unsafe in my body from bullying Mm. to sexual assault to not feeling like I belong here Mm. or like I'm from Earth. Mm. Like I've always felt like kind of an alien and an outlier. Mm. And safety plays such a big role in needing to be heard. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just this idea of safety. And I think all of us have sort Mm. of brought that up at some point in the last few days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I actually don't resonate with the word with like safety, with the concept of safety. And Mm. I think it's because I haven't experienced it. Yeah. I truly haven't experienced it. I do feel, I think safe. What I would define as safe. Well, well, how would you define safe? I guess. So instead of that word, I use held Mm. for whatever reason that, resonates more and feels more comfortable for me so in my relationship with Mike I feel held with you guys I feel held um I feel held by the universe and oftentimes if I'm feeling anxious or scared or out of place I'll ask myself okay Ariel what do you need to feel held in this moment and I never really realized that safe was a trigger word for me Mm. until I saw an energy healer recently in Denver and he had brought up the word safe and noticed like a body shift in the way I was sitting in the way that I was carrying myself. And he was like, oh, you don't resonate with that word because you've never felt safe. So let's try held. And I felt like a sense of calm come mm. over. Mm. Held. Yeah. I love that. Me too. It feels gentle. Yeah. And I think so many people have trauma <laughs> whether it be bullying safe. or sexual assault or domestic violence growing up or yeah. just haven't felt one in their body and I feel like the word safe can sometimes feel so fantasy and hard to kind of wrap your mind around if you have no direct experience mm-hmm. to kind of tie back to that word mm. so finding whatever word can replace that mm. how would you define safe My initial, like, my initial thing is just a feeling that I cannot explain. And I actually realized probably, like, three months ago on vacation that I've never felt safe. Like, fully safe. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be moments of safety. Yeah. But especially within relationships. And more so romantic relationships than, like, friendships with girls or women. But for me, it's, like, a feeling that I have to create in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? has made you feel unsafe that has created this lack of safety in your life Mm. well I think a lot like uh, what we were talking about before about sharing who you are and what you're actually feeling Mm -hmm. and being shut down time after time after time after time and then it's like your brain collects all this evidence that okay it's actually not safe for me to tell Mm -hmm. how I feel or being in an abusive relationship obviously that's like physical you're not safe Mm yeah yeah did you know you were unsafe at that time? No. Mm. No. No. Because I didn't really know I was in an abusive relationship, to be quite honest. Mm. Like, it wasn't physically abusive till the very end, and then I left. But was never taught that, like, the other part of abuse. Mm. And when you're in things, you don't really... It's like you don't... There, there was no contrast. There was no opposite to, like, this is not safe, this is safe. Because I never had, like, a safe relationship. Mm-hmm. 
at what point did you realize this is no longer something I can be in? When it was physical. Yeah. Before that, it never even crossed my mind. Mm. Like, at all. How long did it take you to get out once that happened? Well, I always tell this story because, like, that part is the obviously most unsafe part when you're trying to leave but I literally lived in another country so I left the country so it turned physical and like two days later I left oh wow so Mm -hmm. fast well that's good Mm -hmm. yeah wow Emily I think for you and I I don't know as much about you um because you're always healing me (laughs) it's true (laughs) super selfish sorry (laughs) I'm like save me help me (laughs) she's like hold on (laughs) um let me say three words and i'll change your life it's fine (laughs) three um but for you you were saying yesterday Mm -hmm. you were able to tap into this like connection and this wisdom and seeing um you know people on the other side and these spirits and ghosts around you starting at three Mm -hmm. and i i wonder how that affected your sense of safety at such a young age and what that's looked like huge that's what i was thinking about just when you're asking steph what's your definition of safe that's the first thing that popped into my mind is so often, you know, and I find that a lot, quite just in my experience, a lot of children, a lot of kids growing up, they have this experience where, you know, they're experiencing energy or shifts in a room or, um, you know, their parents are having a fight and they can pick up on the tension or the conflict or, you know, whatever the case may be. And for me, s- it was always such a high extrasensory awareness Um and even just subtle shifts in a room or in a public space or um, within myself or, you know, things like that, where uh, I was kind of constantly processing and I felt like I had to do it all by myself, where, you know, it was like processing or just kind of um, almost feeling like I had to move the energy around what was happening and just it was always like I have to do this all by myself or I would try to express something and it would be like oh no no you know that's not happening Mm. even if it was like there's conflict and I'm seeing this this is happening it's in front of me or you know there's a spirit energy in the room or whatever it was and I would say you know this is what's going on and it would be like no 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 Mm. it's not so I think a big thing for me now is being able to say this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm feeling, and be like, oh, yeah, wow, you know, I can feel it too, or that's that feels really safe for me, and that's still like a deconditioning process where I actually realize that I still repress quite a bit of the energy information mm-hmm. or things like that that I'm feeling because that's just what, you know, okay, I, I can't, I actually can't process that right now, so I need to put that aside, and that has shown up for me so much where it's like I'm still repressing quite a bit of what's available to me energy-wise, emotions-wise, in relationships, um, things like that. So that feels really safe for me, and that's it's a process. It's a process. But that's what safe feels like for me is being able to express without feeling like I'm going to be, uh, you know, said, well, that's not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, just relax. Mm-hmm. That's really not what's happening here. Um, what about, like... For example, in our Airbnb, when yeah. there is definitely a spirit here. <laughs> yeah. We all felt it. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel unsafe in those scenarios where you're so connected that that's like so in your space mm. and you don't know how to like detach or turn mm-hmm. that off? Or mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things, a story I always tell is like when I was a kid, I would 
be going to bed and beg like I really don't want to feel this anymore mm. this is really too much I really can't do that. I just want to sleep because um, I didn't sleep for like the first 10 years of my life because there was so much going on at night especially at night for me anyway and um, so yeah even just like it's interesting because I don't and it's funny because my, a lot of what I do you know um, in my work mediumship or you know things like that is I always tell people it's really not spooky. It's actually so second nature to me. It's mm-hmm. just like having a conversation with, you know, you or Kelly or, you know, Ariel sitting across from me. So, you know, experiencing this, sometimes it reverts back to those experiences where there's a paralysis, there's anxiety, there's like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, um, and actually it was interesting last night, like I had to wake Ariel up and just tell her like, like I'm super anxious. Yeah. And she was like, okay, that's okay like what do you need and even just that was so healing for me because I never really had that it was like just go to sleep or you know stay in your room or stay in your bed or you know things like that so do you find it super hard to ask for help and support because you're kind of the helper and the supporter always yeah that's something you and I are working on yeah together one of my big kind of beliefs and things like that that I'm deconditioning from is like I have to be the strong one Mm. Ooh, I was thinking about that as you were talking. It wasn't mm-hmm. even really what you were talking about, but I feel like for so many women, especially for like helpers, supporters, do you feel like you're responsible for the energy, mm-hmm. like in the room, in yeah. relationships, in like how everything goes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Hmm. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's. It was always just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what this is, Mm -hmm. but I know this is when, you know, I was growing up and I don't know what this is, but I know that, I mean, well, you know, again, it took some deconditioning because at first it would be like, this isn't helping when I'm saying things to people, it's not helping them. They're getting mad at me. They're saying like, you know, how dare you kind of like say something like that, you know, like whether that was my parents or a kid at school or a teacher, you know, I remember one of my earliest memories of like walking in I think I've told this story somewhere um walking into a classroom and noticing something was really off with my teacher at that time and you know knowing that it had something to do with her her and her husband and they had a fight and things like that and going up to her and saying are you okay you know after your fight with your husband Mm. and anger like uh, how did you you know you're not supposed to know that you know and how dare you assume that Mm. right so yeah so you're like constantly reading the room yeah and the energy and being responsible for it yeah and then at a certain level that that, you know that was kind of okay I have to repress this a little bit so that I can kind of function in you know public or with other people Mm -hmm. things like that so it's a heavy fucking burden Mm -hmm. yeah yeah to like pick and choose when to but don't Mm -hmm. you feel I mean I can't speak for women in general but I know it with like a lot of my clients who are all women and my own life. Mm-hmm. It is that feeling of like, I am responsible. So if I let go or like I let someone support me or I let like my guard down, everything's going to fall apart. Everything's going to crumble because mm-hmm. I am responsible for the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize so many times in one yeah. day and nine times out of 10, they're always like, why are you, po- there's nothing to apologize for. Why are you yeah. apologizing? Mm-hmm. If Mike has a bad day at work, I'm so sorry. And then I take it on as like, mm. let me make 
a good dinner and make the home feel really warm yes. and let me be in the best mood possible even if I've had the shittiest day possible because I don't example. want you to be in crappy energy. Yeah. So it's like my job to up the energy of mm-hmm. the home. And he recognizes when I do that and he's always like, you don't you don't have to. This isn't yours to fix. Yeah. Did you learn that as a kid? Oh yeah. I was the I was the one to make sure everyone was happy all the time mm. in a home that was um, toxic. And all it did was teach me how to mask depression and not really – I think I shared this with you on your podcast, yeah. Stephanie, back in the day. <laughs> um, but I have struggled with depression since I was a very young child, and no one knew. Because as soon as I stepped into my room and the door closed, that's when it came out. In what way? Crying, journaling, hitting my head. Mm. I actually used to physically hit my head. I still do to this day if I get really, like, emotional just because I don't know how to properly release it. So that's something that I work on still. Mm. Um, And I even do that in front of Mike and it crushes him. So I think just kind of back to the whole rewiring thing just kind of rewiring who you are and recognizing that it's okay for you not to be happy 100% of the time. And it's okay for you to share that you're sad, even when you don't know why you're sad or frustrated when you don't know why you're frustrated, just getting to that kind of space. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So many times I'll ask you, how are you? And you'll say, you know, how's your heart? And you'll say, I'm great. I'm doing amazing. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You'll What's really up. You're like, I'm a psychic medium, bitch. Tell me the truth because <laughs> yeah. I can Girl. see what's going on. Don't give me it's the good. <laughs> it's so funny because when people ask like how you are, I'm like, culturally, it's always like, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. And then do you actually care to listen to how I am? Yeah. And I assume you don't. So I just usually say good. Mm-hmm. But I will. I, I never ask people how they are. No, you don't. What do you say? How's your heart today? Yes, you do, girl. Because how you are to me just implies I'm looking for like a one-word short answer to then move on about my day. Mm-hmm. Where how your heart is is like heavy, sad, confused, not good, fine, okay. Mm-hmm. Mine was always I'm fine or I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I was not okay, I would say I'm tired. If I was not okay but didn't want to say I'm tired it was because I'm that's fine. acceptable yeah I'm tired and then there's no further well, questioning tired. yeah because everyone's like, fucking okay. tired yeah. it's yeah. like have another coffee I work at Starbucks I'm just gonna yeah. be a barista and make myself another shot of espresso totally. <laughs> because the thing is we don't actually teach that to kids no. no like I remember running girls groups and like we would talk about emotions and feelings and I would have to print out a list of I don't really call them positive and negative emotions but I would print out like the feel good one the ones that feel really good and the ones that don't feel really good and like a full-on list and there was even ones on there and I was like what is that mm. like I've never felt that or That's you didn't wild. know the word for no you have the no moment word. that you felt that mm-hmm. how yeah. did they respond to that oh like relief mm. like now I know mm. here's a word for what I'm feeling mm-hmm. yeah and I'm not weird or I'm, there's not something wrong with me mm-hmm. other people feel this way too oh yeah. that's a thing yeah that's how I felt when I was like in seventh grade. I was suicidal. I was so depressed. And I thought I was the only person that felt that way. I thought the, I was the only person that felt like an outlier, an outcast. At 31 now, I'm like, 
sitting with people yeah. like you and I'm like oh we all felt this way no one talked about it no one admitted it everyone brushed it on their rug and then in turn treated people like shit in order to protect themselves every single girl I've ever had in a program has said oh I thought I was the only one yeah because no one talks about it no. mm-hmm. yeah mm. as you've worked through your depression as you've gotten older and then the chronic illness and Lyme disease steps in and kind mm-hmm. of that the whole role of that How do you feel that journey has impacted your health now? Dealing with my depression? Yeah, or just having depression, living with it, experiencing bullying, all of the things that you've been through and the way that impacts the chronic illness piece that steps in as an adult. I have been able to notice a direct correlation between how I feel when I'm honoring how I truly feel depression wise mm. and anxiety wise and I'm opening my throat chakra and expressing these things mm. and how are you I'm doing that singing writing talking all the things attempting to scream attempting to scream in my car which is not going well mm. <laughs> you'll get there yeah. practicing saying I love me which is so uncomfortable but I've noticed that I feel really good when I'm expressing things, even if it's just rambling to Mike for two hours and he has no idea what I'm saying and I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just trying to get to the core of why I'm frustrated or why I'm anxious or why I'm depressed. And when I suppress all of that and retreat and introvert, my symptoms flare. Mm-hmm. So I know that working through stored trauma is definitely the last missing puzzle piece to my healing journey because my body needs the space that the stored trauma and suppression and repressed emotion is currently taking up. Mm -hmm. So every time I release a little bit of that, I know, okay, I just made a little tiny piece for calm or healing or strength or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and Emily, from your perspective, and not to like get into your private sessions together, but I know you guys have been working a lot together. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us all the things, all the juicy details. (laughs) I'm curious, like you have seen her grow and change so much, which is amazing. I've seen you grow and change so much in the time I've quote unquote known you on Instagram. Um, I would love to know what you've seen from her in making that correlation and how much her healing has progressed because of that, like really facing the demons and being willing to let it go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The first time I worked with Arielle, it was, it was actually almost like a year ago to the, mm. to June, the day. I think it was like June 14th. You know the exact day. Just saying. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big day, I damn know. it. June 14th. And I got the ago. recording on June 22nd. Yes. Mm. Oh my God. Wow, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. It was literally life changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so My call with you. She was in treatment. Yeah. The first time we talked, we were in a treatment room, hooked up to an IV. Really, really in a, yeah, it was a really hard place. And I just remember ta- starting to talk to you and just seeing like, oh my gosh, she has no hope none Mm. none and it made me so sad it broke my heart and I also could feel one of the big things is she hasn't had anyone say wow I see what you're experiencing and that is so hard and I know you're in so much pain 
And I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that. Yeah. And I remember just like, imme- like you were just so relieved. Your energy was relieved. You're just so relieved. Just even hearing that. Oh, I'm going to cry. It was I like, <laughs> I know. It was so, it was, it was, um, a r- and then just talking through the conversation, you know, the, through, the, through the call, through the session, I just remember I was just telling you, like, listen, you are going to do such amazing things in this world. You are going mm-hmm. to be doing retreats. You're going to be working with women. You're going to be doing card readings. You're going to be opening up on your own intuitively. You're going to write a book, you know, which she has. She called she that. Did, oh, holla. She it's did. right in front book of us. It's Soulful Worlds, Words for the Healing Heart. You can get it on Amazon. Go yes. get it now. Go get it right now. You also were, you were the first and only person to tell me that I would be fully healed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I, on that call, I thought that I was dying. Yeah. And you, d- you well, you kind of were. You, yeah. But I like didn't see a future yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was like, no, I just saw you like you're fully healed. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? What about when me? you were sick? What part of it? The hope, the non-hope. Oh, mm. I wanted to die a lot. Yeah. I was, yeah, similar to you. I was sick for 13 years and misdiagnosed that whole time until I found my functional doctor. And I had been suicidal, like I said, at 12 and depressed depressed, and depression in and out of my life um, because I didn't feel like I fit in because I felt weird and judged and bullied and um i think the adding in the chronic illness piece was like the cherry on top of my exhaustion and pain and sadness and feeling different it was like well now i can't eat food like everyone else and i can't have alcohol and i'm tired all the time and it can't be social and like i don't want to have sex because i don't feel good and my boyfriend thinks i'm making it up and I had to quit the volleyball team and give up my scholarship and I like lost my whole identity. And you and I talk about this all the time. It's like this feeling of not feeling like yourself and you forget who you were Mm. like, fuck, I was so fun and I used to be awesome and I was an amazing volleyball player and I was strong and I would go out and like do tequila shots and like dance. And then all of a sudden you're like this bedridden person who wants to die and you don't recognize yourself. You look in the mirror and you're like, who is that person? Yeah. And that's the worst feeling in the world. And you look around you and especially being young with chronic illness, I think it's more common now. But when at 19, when I was diagnosed, like no one my age I knew had chronic illness. It was like, oh, well, all the 50 year old women have it. Mm. Here you go. And I was like, what does that even mean? What do I do with that? Mm. So it was just like one thing after the next of making me feel different and not not supported, not part of a community, not heard. Yeah, it was painful. Mm. So isolating. So isolating. Did you ever, I struggled with this a lot, and I wonder if you did. Even within the chronic illness community, oh, yeah. there is this weird sense of, am I sick enough? Am I sicker than these people? Mm-hmm. There's this weird, not, the only word that I can think of at, in this moment is competition mm. of, and it made me so hesitant to kind of dive into any sort of Lyme community or chronic illness community because I didn't want to sit around and try and one-up everyone's story. Mm-hmm. And I I was sick for a long time, but I didn't know why. And 
from 2017 May, June of 2017 by August I had the Lyme diagnosis but there was so much before that that looking back I'm like oh yeah that was Lyme and that weekend was Lyme and that month where I didn't feel well that was Lyme but there are so many people and I was just at a Lyme event recently where so many people have not entered that space because they feel like well my story is not epic enough yeah to share mm-hmm. or to speak about mm-hmm. so talking about feeling like you didn't fit in and the non-chronic illness world did you also experience that in the chronic illness community um I wouldn't say that I think for me the hardest part of all of it we talked about this when you were on the show is like obviously you've dealt with skin stuff and so it's like your illness is coming out of your skin for me I never looked sick Mm -hmm. so I was on television in a dress full hair and makeup looked perfectly fine every day and I did a really good job of lying and like look at me I'm on tv and I'm super happy and living the dream when I wanted to like die the whole time and I couldn't even see straight so for me it was like people constantly telling me you look so good and we've talked about this like yeah. I was super skinny at one point and really sick and had an eating disorder and like they all these things all your secrets and they're like tell me everything oh, yeah. yeah and I'm like fuck you yeah <laughs> like you don't even know my diet secret is Lyme Do you yeah yeah and so it's like you look one way but you feel another and so for me that was really hard because I just felt like I was living this double life of like being tv Kelly that had to turn on and then going home and hibernating for three days because my body hurt so bad I couldn't see straight I couldn't think of words and I didn't know when I was gonna be able to like cr- I just wanted to crawl into a hole and die and like or just crawl into a hole and like wake up when it was over mm-hmm. So I think that was the hardest part for me. I never really identified within chronic illness communities necessarily. Mm -hmm. My first really close friend in that was Jordan Younger. And she's such a big voice in that community. And I felt super understood by her. So I never felt like weird or like I wasn't sick enough. It was like, oh, yeah, totally got you. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just really interesting because once I started, I mean, I started sharing my Lyme journey as soon as I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm mainly for me it didn't really start out sharing it for other people Mm -hmm. um but even still to this day I have so many messages come in from people that say they're so impressed that I'm sharing this so openly and it's so strange to me because it's not something that needs to be kept a secret yeah but that's not what we're taught something that you should feel shameful of because you have a chronic illness. That doesn't mean you're broken. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or something that you have to further hide. Mm -hmm. And same with like friendship. Like how do we change this? We talk about it more. Yeah. Like all this stuff just needs to be talked about more and more accessible to younger generations, but also older generations. A lot of women on Instagram that reach out to me are in their fifties and sixties and they have not even told their family members Mm -hmm. that they have Lyme. Or they have depression. And that's a long time Mm -hmm. to suppress something so huge. Well, and over 50 million, no offense Canadians, over 50 (laughs) million Americans are living with chronic illness. Mm. I mean, you would never know that. I was talking about it earlier. We're so quick to talk about, oh, someone with cancer or someone that is dealing with this illness or someone who went through that. 50 million people are living with chronic illness, yet we're not talking about it, and it's still this super unknown thing that yeah. we have no clue what to do with. Yeah, like, what yeah. does that even mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, what are we doing? Well, you have to with, talk about it. When someone... I talk about this with my mom all the time. Um, 
when I was first diagnosed, it was it was hard for me to tell people because they would say, oh, well, my dog had that. Like, that was their only frame of reference was they oh, had a Lyme? pet that had Lyme. Oh, my yeah. God. I never thought about that. I, heard, I hear that all the time. That's well, my dog really had weird. it, and we give them antibiotics for seven days, and my dog is totally fine. Like, You're like what is your problem? You're making human. this up. And with cancer, yeah. there are <laughs> documented and well-researched stages. And people have, because it's something, I mean, at so one true. point, cancer was taboo. Mm-hmm. At one point, they too didn't talk about exactly. it. Exactly. So by sharing your story more about whatever chronic illness mm-hmm. you're dealing with, mm-hmm. whether it be mental or physical or both, mm-hmm. you're helping the collective universe gain that context to then refer back to, mm-hmm. to then hear Lyme and think, oh yeah, I follow this girl on Instagram who has Lyme, or I have this friend whose daughter had Lyme and here's what I heard. Mm. By not sharing that story, you're kind of keeping that information to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of selfish in a way because mm-hmm. the community as a whole worldwide needs to hear it so that then they can speak to it and mm-hmm. share it and file that away of like, oh, that okay, that's another illness that now I know a little bit about. Mm. Steph, this to me speaks to the larger issue of shame mm-hmm. and the shame that as women especially we live with in mm. a variety of ways. And I know this is something you've talked about and obviously it's it's a huge pattern for women that you've worked with. Mm. How does the shame affect the way we limit what we talk about and admit that's our reality? I think so much of what we've been talking about, yeah. right? Like we have shared, we were shamed. So now we're like, okay, nobody's going to understand. Or this is a reaction I got this time. I shared this one thing. So, and one thing I talk a lot about with clients too, that comes up is like, we tend to pick and choose who we share with and when we share and how we share and the way we share Absolutely. in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it like testing the waters? Yeah. Mm. Is it safe for me to share here? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's not. Okay, so I'm going to ref- just keep that here. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you do it, I don't know, like, this. Sh- uh, yeah. Actually, Ariel and I were talking about this this, this morning, about how, like, <laughs> people always say, I mean, I'm, f- I'm sure all of us, we all share on Instagram, and it's always like, wow, you're so vulnerable. You share so openly. You're so brave. Yeah, you're my hero. I'm yeah. Like, oh, no. And I get I it because, like, the shame is so strong that in, in our up close life we don't really a lot of the time feel comfortable sharing Mm -hmm. so we were talking about that like it's a weird feeling when people say that because it's like yes I am comfortable with vulnerability to an extent though Mm. like in my own personal life it's still something that I struggle with so much not even really being vulnerable but like that shame piece of like because shame to me is that feeling of okay not I did something bad but like I am bad. Yes. Or like that's how Brene Brown talks about it. And that's like the feeling of shame that washes over of like, I did this or I am bad or I am not enough or I am whatever. And so like in my up close personal life, and I feel like probably for all of us here, just assuming it's still, there's still that little resistance of like, am I safe though? Mm Mm-hmm. If they know this about me, I have this pending Instagram post, you guys. <laughs> this it's in the drafts. It is fucking juicy in the drafts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do I put this out there or not? Hello, shame. But it, the I think the first line is like, 
if they know this about me, will they still love me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. What did we say this morning? Because like, I don't like country music, that one. <laughs> World, no. Ariel Corey does not like Will Kelly music. still love me if I don't like country music? But I feel like that's No, why she we, hates you now. That is <laughs> why you we don't. pick and choose, though. That's like the it's root true. of it. It's true. Like, Absolutely. Okay. Let me suss out. Does, what will this person's reaction yes. be? So if I share this. Am I still lovable? Mm -hmm. Am I still worthy? But then isn't the bigger thing, it's not just will they still love me? It's like, will I still love me? If I I look at my shadow, am I still going to like myself? Mm. That's the most painful. But that's why we don't share. It's, it, we don't like ourselves. We're scared other people aren't going to like us. What's worse? That you don't like yourself or that other people don't like you? Right. And nine times out of ten your fear of them not liking you is probably you projecting you not liking exactly. you. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, that I uh, was just working through a couple of weeks ago is um, I'll go up and, and do, you know, readings and things like that in front of groups of people. And one of the things that I've been moving towards is doing kind of larger events like these. And one of the fears that I work through is, is getting up on this stage or on this platform mm-hmm. or in this chair at this microphone and, you know, the, the, th- the first thing is, well, I can't do that because then, you know, 20 people or 30 people or 40 people will have an opinion of me. Mm. Right. But then it's actually bringing it back to, well, that's just, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are going to, people are going to make opinions of you regardless. Yeah. yeah. There's this thing, um, Guru Jagat talks about, um, I love watching her, just her talks and things like that. She says, you know, in a room, with people you know however many people that is you know there's a chance that a third of them just aren't gonna like you (laughs) you know they aren't gonna like you Mm -hmm. and that's not your responsibility that is not yours to manage that is not yours to uh, worry about or think about when you go home afterwards it's do I accept me do I approve of me Mm. you know is my opinion of myself the highest and the truest Mm. and the most Mm. loving that's what's important because we can't there's nothing that we can control in our environment in terms of how people are perceiving us or what their opinions are going to be, you know? And so often I would try to manage people's kind of opinions by saying, mm-hmm. well, no, 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 you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not like that. I'm trying to like bandaid it and fix it or, you know, things like that. And I've stopped doing that now where it's like, it's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a big thing for me. It was like X amount of people are going to have an opinion of me. Oh, wait that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. Mm. and it's so much easier more comfortable to identify with and respond to the I can't do this because they won't like me Mm. like getting to a point where you're comfortable with yourself and you love yourself and knowing that your opinion is the only one that matters Mm. that's hard Mm -hmm. like it sounds easy and it sounds like oh I'll just say a mantra every morning I'll be good it's hard it's Mm -hmm. like you catch yourself throughout the day all day every day Mm where your mind or your energy will kind of shift back to that comfortable pattern and you're like no no no, I'm not going to stay small like that I'm going to choose differently Mm. Mm. it's hard that showed up for me when I finally decided to like come forward about the assault Mm. and I've always cared so much about what other people think of me Mm. And to, like, <clears throat> walk into a room with 30 cameras in front of you and 
say these like really personal things that had happened Mm -hmm. and for so long having kept people in the dark and then to come forward and say like here's my truth and the reality and no I knew that I was gonna get crushed Mm -hmm. that's so hard yeah and it was the best thing I could have ever done for myself because it truly taught me to not worry about all the noise mm-hmm. yeah. and the amount of support I got was like to the nth degree. I'm like beyond grateful. We were stalking Instagram. Yeah. And you guys, you guys were incredible. Oh, yeah. All three of you like next level, but it was such a powerful lesson for me in realizing that there's always going to be noise and there's always going to be opinions. But I stood up there in integrity, in my truth. And I was like, fuck what everyone's going to say about me. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I've never been able to do that before. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, wow. I can't believe that I was able to do that. What like do you a think different t- version. Sorry. What do you think it took you to get to that point? Such a good question. I'm thinking about that for myself too. Yeah. Yeah, because it just makes me, when you were talking, I was thinking, it's like such a theme of everything we're talking about, but of just women in general no matter like the scale of what you're saying but just not being believed yeah in so many ways Mm -hmm. I think that I listened to other people for so long and was like really codependent with my mom and in relationships and trusting other people more than I trusted myself Mm. and then when I was on leave from work for five months and was just like at home by myself it made me reflect and like come back to who I was and I started making decisions for myself and I started getting clear in like my own intuition and my own gut feeling and my own like higher self like what does my own voice sound like not everyone else's Mm. and when I got more in tune with that and I was making decisions from that place I was like oh like I don't have to worry about everyone else everyone's always going to have an opinion what's best for me I kept living for other people. I kept living for their validation, living in their truth, living for what they wanted. And then when I took that time away and like started making decisions for myself and stepping out of super toxic environments, I was like, oh, it can be different. Mm. Like it doesn't have to look like that. Yeah. It can feel differently. Yeah. That's such a good point too, that we don't, you don't know until you know no. what that feels like. And so we just settle and yeah. we're like, okay, I guess this is it. Like in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And then when you do it, like you did, it's like, oh, I actually am okay. I actually am safe. It's like your breakup. Mm-hmm. You were freaking engaged mm-hmm. and called it off. Yeah. And when you did, it was like your whole world expanded. Literally. And uh, you wouldn't have known that had you not just made the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I made the hard decision. Yeah. yeah. It would have been easier to settle. And and I, I truly had no idea that the relationship that I was in was like, that that wasn't how you're supposed to feel. Yeah. Right. Like that settle feeling. Like he was an amazing guy. Nothing happened. It's just he wasn't my person. But I never really knew until now, like being in the relationship I'm in now, that like, Oh, like, oh, I thought everyone was lying. Yeah, I literally thought people that were like so, quote unquote, in love and like in bliss and happy with their partner and not complaining and like it just in love. I thought they were faking because I was faking. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that funny? 
how you think everyone else has the same experience yes. as you. Yes. And then you learn someone else had a different experience and you're like, wait a second. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It it opens your whole world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have, that's, you just don't have to settle. It's my like main thought mm-hmm. around all of this. Well, I mean, that's why I, I give you cre- so much credit for my relationship with Connor and mm-hmm. where I am now because you showed me what's possible. Mm. You, Tiffany Louise, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like people mm-hmm. can be in like these magic relationships with these amazing men that, that mm-hmm. support them and that are like their co-creative partner and I literally thought that was bullshit mm. until you were like, I got this guy. Let me tell you. And we mm. do magic mornings together. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. And it's funny because I have a best friend who I w- she's getting married in less than a month. Mm. And that was her for me. Mm. Watching her meet him, fall in love, get engaged within like nine months. I was like, made me look at myself and my relationship and be like, oh, oh. yeah. Literally. Oh, we said like, the same time. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And it took me, I mean, Emily knows the whole, like, journey, but it took me. Emily's like our mother, by the way. (laughs) Emily is the mom of the group. Yes, I know your experience. (laughs) Yes, I know your experience. She heals all three of us. She knows our deepest, darkest secrets (laughs) and wounds. It's so true. I mean, if I'm so honest with myself, I knew for the entire six years. Yeah. Sorry Mm. if he ever hears this. But that he wasn't my person. What, What did that feel like, though? So people home listening to this no what does that feel like the difference between that and the difference in where you are now good god i don't even have words i don't i think it's the presence of feeling oh yeah, yeah. No? i had no like, that's so true i had no feelings yeah you just and kind of numb yourself when yeah it's not right. and everyone always says like okay then well why but the reason truly is because before him was the abusive relationship mm-hmm. so he was safe mm-hmm. mm. quote unquote safe it felt safe because it was comfortable and, like, what I needed in that moment of us meeting was what I thought I needed. So, like, I was always told that I'm so floaty and, like, all over the place and dreamy and, like, I'm living in the clouds all the time. And he was so, quote, unquote, grounded and, like, logical. So, oh. I was like, oh, I guess this is the thing oh, I need. Oh, I guess this is what I need. Opposites yeah. Mind. And his energy was that energy of, like, okay, I'm floating. He anchors me. Like, yeah. I used to call him my anchor. Mm-hmm. And then now it's, like, well, fuck, I don't want to be weighed down. Yeah. Mm-mm. And so with Justin, it's so different where I can float and he'll meet me up there. Mm-hmm. And it's so different. There's no mm. words. There's no words. How did you know? Because, I mean, I know the story, but, and we were all telling <laughs> our like love stories in the Jeep yeah, on so the way cute. to dinner tonight. But how did you know that one, this was different and two, that this was your person? Mm. I just did. Yeah. And it's so cliche. Just but knew. I really just did. You really just knew. Mm-hmm. Right away. And the story is so wild because, so I called off my engagement in September, went on like a solo vacation, like a month and a half later, not a solo vacation, like a literal little, little getaway. And I pulled cards for myself and the twin flame card came up. And I, at that point had been broken up for like two months. I was not even thinking at all about like dating or anything. So the twin flame card came up. I went to bed and I woke up and I heard, you'll be married in a year. And I was like, okay, I literally just called off my engagement. I will not be married in a year. And like, just let it go. And then Emily and I had a session that morning Mm -hmm. and she was like, and actually before I even called off my engagement, she was like, well, you have two choices. Basically, Mm -hmm. there's this guy who is around you and his energy is so ready for you. So you just have to 
make the decision. I was like, you, yeah, exactly. I was like, you have to choose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do. Right there's no, you know, there's no, and I think that that so often is like, this is here. Yeah. Mm. This is available for you. Yeah. This is what's on the other side of that. You know, there are things that you have to move through in order to kind of, you know, come mm-hmm. to that place. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. Mm. Um, you know, he's here. He's available. Yeah. And I saw it. And we talked about that so much. I saw two paths. I could have probably stayed. Absolutely. For sure would have been divorced at some point. And I had this moment before. This is so bad. But I remember thinking, it's fine. I can just get divorced. Wow. Um, what is that and now i'm like that is so completely opposite to what i've ever think now Mm -hmm. but i remember like i saw two paths i could stay and i saw my life playing out and it just felt not even remotely close and the other part of it too is like i knew that for my business and my life it it wouldn't work what was happening in your head at that time where you felt like it's okay i'll just get the divorce because i was so because you were safe neutral blah like Mm. Well, but I wasn't really like you were I physically safe. safe. Yeah, I was physically safe. Right, which at the point at that time, coming out of an abusive yeah. relationship is what you needed, quote unquote. But yeah, it didn't like excite you or drive you or like you didn't no see that long term no passion. I wasn't seen. I wasn't. I was supported to the degree of someone saying like, "Yeah, do your thing," mm. but not like. He wasn't doing magic mornings with you. No, like he wasn't my person. Like I tried to. The the overall thing is like I tried to make something fit that wasn't meant to fit. Totally. Mm, That's so good. So my girlfriend's, my girlfriend Lindsay specifically said this to me. She's like, I feel like you take guys and make them your doll Mm. and try and fit them into your dream life, and they never fit. And I was like, holy fuck. That's totally true. I try, I have this life, this idea of what I want my life to be, my dream, my hopes, my goals, who I want to partner with. And I keep taking people that are not meant to be in that life and they never fit. And all I'm doing is forcing it and trying so hard. And I'm always devastated because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And faking it. Yeah. And thinking that's normal. Yes. Everyone's faking. Yeah. It's because no one teaches you in the beginning that a relationship is a co-creation. No. That it's like a soul contract. It's two people coming together. Mm. It's always, I need to find my person and then like live out the dream that I had instead of coming together with whatever baggage you have because everyone comes with it. That's a good point. And healing together and growing together. Like you either grow together or you grow apart. Yeah. But if there's no growth happening and you're just trying to shove someone into your box of what your dream life is like in that moment, which in five years could be totally different. Mm -hmm. Like you have to find someone that's willing to kind of meet you in the clouds like Mm -hmm. Justin with you. Yeah. And it's not easy. Yeah. Which I really always want to get across. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking magic, but it's not easy. No. Yeah. Like you see everything maybe you didn't want to see in yourself yeah we were talking about that this morning like we're we're both in relationships where we're so happy and it's so much magic and it's like easier than it's ever been but it's also harder than it's ever been how do you fucking describe that yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) because 
because you have to do things differently. Right. Every day, we were saying earlier, every day you consciously choose to make different choices in every scenario, which is so exhausting. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm not going to be a brat like this. I'm not going to respond like that. I'm going to take this personally. I'm not going to be codependent. I'm not. And it's like all day long, you're like, repattern, 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 repattern. It's It's like shit. And they're showing you that. And then they're doing, hopefully, they're doing their own work too. So you're mirroring for them. Yeah. And you're having to like hold space for them while they're Mm -hmm. like dealing with stuff. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. I think for me, the biggest thing is I've never felt like somebody like was as in it as me or had me the same degree that Mm -hmm. I had there. Mm -hmm. So now it's like learning like, no, he's got me Mm -hmm. the same degree that I look at him and I'm like, oh my God, that's my person. Like I'm, I love you. I would do anything for you. There's still, and we talked about this this morning, there's still this rewiring that I've had to do so deeply still, like literally every day of, to the same degree, he's looking at you thinking the same thing, feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Like, oh, am I worthy of her? And for me, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like, almost, I don't fully believe that. Mm -hmm he could possibly feel what I'm feeling and I don't think it's him I think it's like I I think I don't know tell me what you think but for me it's been that men can't feel to that degree Mm. which I obviously know is bullshit well but that's your experience Mm -hmm. of cheating and people leaving you yeah so you're like I give 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 I feel so hard and then you leave me yeah so it's like are you making this up like are you really though Mm -hmm. yeah you know there's waves right yeah. In waves and I think I experienced that where it's like I'm so solid I'm so solid I'm so solid yeah. okay trigger wow mm. I'm really writing this out yeah. you know and I think you experienced that too I think ev- yeah. you know mm-hmm. everyone in this room could say they've experienced that at the yeah. same time where but I think what Kelly said is so profound like I'm exactly I'm choosing okay you know mm-hmm. every moment to moment and everything in relationship and friendship and business and you know in self-worth and self-sabotage like it's 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 a constant process so and I love that Steph talks about this too because um you know I think yeah just like Kelly said your relationship and what you created was such a expander for so Mm -hmm. many people where they're just wow you like even just in your experience of how you met Justin Mm -hmm. you know um basically you know what was your story but like you met on Bumble Mm -hmm. like you were on there for a week and you were there and you met and you had your date and okay Mm -hmm. like we're here we're in it together um you know okay like it doesn't have to be like that and just like having that holding that container for other people but also like yeah I'm still like riding the waves of the triggers and you know working through the worst stuff and the abandonment or you know the um feeling like uh you know it's okay to be like it's safe for me to be celebrated in my relationship or by my family or you know things like that yeah oh it's so true and knowing that like it's okay to be triggered it's okay Mm -hmm. to not it's what you were saying before like it's okay not to be okay yeah and like letting someone see that though is terrifying. So Holy horrible. fuck, it's so hard. Posting on Instagram is nothing <laughs> no. compared to, yeah. hey, here's my inner thought, and it includes you. Yeah. yeah. So and a I'm lot so of triggered by this right now. So yeah. 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 And this happened literally the other day, and I was like, I thought, like, did I ruin our relationship? Mm-hmm. And Justin was like, what? Mm. I know. And. So Mike and I have been together. We just celebrated six years together. And boop, boop. Yay. Yay. Hello. And um, he's definitely seen me at my worst health-wise. 
Like, you definitely got the sick part of the vow first. But... Yeah, but think about the rest of your life. You're going to be fucking awesome and healthy. You're welcome, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there's still so many moments where I catch myself and sometimes verbalize, like, are you sure you're not just going to leave? Because I experienced in past relationships and saw my mom experience relationships where everything's good. And then from the outside, like one person just woke up one day and decided I'm not really into it anymore and that's terrifying mm. and I'm constantly asking Mike when I'm triggered and I used to suppress it and I'm just yeah. like I'm just gonna say it and if he says yeah I'm out then I'll be okay I'll be heartbroken but I'll be okay yeah. and I ask him and sometimes he concerningly answers like of course I'm not going anywhere w- like why would you think that why are you even asking that And other times he laughs because he's like, it's six years. I've been through a lot with you. We moved across the country. Like, I'm definitely not going anywhere. This is ridiculous that you keep asking me. But it's something for me in, like, the rewiring phase that I have to keep verbalizing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing it in a way that I did in past relationships where it's, like, a self-sabotage thing. Or instead of just asking the person, I just assume they don't want to be with me and then mm-hmm. slowly start to ruin the relationship on my own because I'd rather break my own heart than have you do it. Yeah. But with Mike, it's like, hey, I just need in this moment for you to stay. You're going to stick for you to like tell me in this moment that you're going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I woke up the other morning. It was like 6 a.m. And I was I looked at Connor and I immediately started sobbing. And I was like, what the fuck? And we had just come out of his ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica. So I was still like processing and integrating and in the medicine. And I walk out to the living room and I'm sitting on the couch. I'm crying so hard. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And I just realized like in in past relationships, I have not felt chosen. And I have yeah. felt mm. that I have shown up. I have given you everything. I've literally given you everything I have and then some. And you still didn't choose, choose me. me. And he walks out and he's like, it's like 630 in the morning. I feel so bad. And he's like, what's going on? And he just sits there and holds me and I'm crying and crying and crying. And finally, I'm like, I am so scared that you are sitting here. You moved in after five weeks. We're so in love. We're like, we're doing the thing. We want all the same things. We're looking for houses. We're talking about babies. I think what happens when one day you wake up and you're like, never mind. I don't want this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've given you all I have and because I haven't felt chosen and because I've been felt abandoned or whatever it is, you're just going to decide no more. Mm -hmm. And I've done everything that I can and you're still not going to want me. Yeah. Then what? Yeah. It's the worst fucking feeling. And like Steph said, they're probably feeling the same thing. Right. He said to me, he was like, are you Mm -hmm. kidding me? I feel like I'm not good enough for you. Yeah, and what if you decide Mike. you meet someone else and you're like, oh, this guy's way better and he has this and he has that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you think that? that? Yeah. I'm like, I'm in this for life. Like, I love you more than anything in the world. What do you mean? And he's like, that's how I feel about you, though. And I was like, what? Why are we doing this? Yeah, <laughs> like at the core of humanity, why? what is preventing us all from feeling enough in relationships and right. jobs, in events? Yeah. Yesterday, talking about your live event, Steph was like, how do you feel about performing at Kelly's live event? It's like, like I don't deserve to be a part of the event. Mm. Like, what in us, is it society? Is it the way we're raised? 
what is it that makes mm-hmm. us all feel not enough? So I had an interesting um, ayahuasca experience. I have not talked about this, but might as well do it with you guys. Um, so the second night of our ceremony, I so each night I, I wrote down intentions. And I came in with like five intentions. And I wrote down, um, show me the root of my anger. You guys don't do that. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Don't, don't want to go there. <laughs> I said, show me the root of my anger and then show me how I can show up for people. And it took me to the deepest, darkest place I've ever been in my life. And it said, stop acting like you're better than everyone. And I was in a past life. And I was face down in my own filth. And I couldn't tell if I was like in a cage or in prison or what was happening. But I was on my mat and I was like writhing in pain. And I was kicking the wall behind me and I was on all fours and I was almost like a wild animal. I was a person. It was definitely a person in a past life. But I felt like the scum of the earth. I felt unworthy. I Mm -hmm. felt so less than. I felt like I didn't deserve anything in the world. I felt like I was the person that people like threw mud at and spit on. And Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to die and I've never been so scared in my life. And then as like I continued in that life and it kept saying, stop acting like you're better than people. This is where you come from. You come from humility. But the other lesson in that is that that's where my lack of worthiness comes from. Mm. And so I came into this life feeling like I had to prove Mm. my worthiness and my value. And I oftentimes think that we want to find something that happened in this life to show like, this is why I don't feel worthy. And I did have something happen in this life. In my first ayahuasca retreat, I was shown that I had this super traumatic birth And my mom almost died. She had staph infection and I almost died. And it was like emergency C-section. She couldn't breastfeed me or be with me. I was completely alone in isolation in an incubator for three days after I was born. And then after that, she couldn't breastfeed me because she was on morphine and she refused to breastfeed me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know she was trying to protect me. Energetically, I felt like I was being rejected. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that my codependence with her and my need to prove my worth and value to her is a huge part of that. But I also think that this past life that I saw in Costa Rica showed me that I felt I have felt so unworthy in this life because of that, because I truly was the lowest of the lows and I have not been able to let go of that and work through it. Mm. Mm. So that's my take. Mm. It's huge. I say that to myself all the time. You mm. have nothing to prove. Yeah. You have nothing to prove. God. You have nothing to prove. Like, constant. Mm-hmm. You have nothing to prove to yourself, mm-hmm. to anyone around you. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like it's interesting because we don't want other people to prove anything themselves to, to us. Right? Like right? At all. In friendships, in relationships, in anything, we just... We just yeah. take them as is. That's why we love people. That's mm-hmm. why we love why pe- when people are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're like, whoa. Huh. You know? Mm-hmm. But in our own selves, we're like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? What do I need? To, who do I need to be mm-hmm. in order to be worthy? Mm-hmm. And it's like that, um, what if I looked at myself 
through the lens that I look at other people. Mm-hmm. I think you're amazing. I like love everything you do. I hang on every word you say. Mm-hmm. I think you're incredible. Why can't I look at myself mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. When I'm looking at you like that. Exactly. And it's like, you'll tell me, I love what you did, or this is amazing, or whatever, whatever. And I'm, and then I'm like, no way, that's not true. Like, yeah. And I try and like break it down. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why can't I just accept her compliment and be like, yeah. she thinks I'm awesome. Fuck, I'm yeah. awesome. Yeah. And all of us were talking about that. Like mm-hmm. when people reach out on Instagram and they're just so like thankful or in awe or praising or anything. And it's just like, are they talking about me? Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. Just, you know? Yeah. I feel like that so much. It's like yeah. uncomfortable. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I love this. This is great. You're really going for it. This yeah. Is like, when did we learn yeah. to like talk it away and be so uncomfortable by being yeah enough? I was a part of a cacao ceremony uh, last year, and we're in circle. And one of the exercises that they had to they had us do is um, there was a focus on each person. Mm-hmm. The person like introduced themselves, and you the every person in the circle kind of just like there was a timer 30 seconds and you essentially just like without knowing anything about the person because we're all strangers to each other and just saying you know anything that we picked Mm -hmm. up about the person like you know like a beautiful you know person or just like so loving Mm -hmm. or things like that and you can just see how first of all like so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. you know and then like oh my god they really see me and then like relief and acceptance like you know these are all things that mm. you know they it's like they're having it reflected back and there's the discomfort and the you know and then it's like okay okay i can take that mm. you know and they wow people really see me like that yeah it was special mm. and i think we well i mean we did know all of those things and we still do know like what our gifts are what our thing is mm-hmm. what we're here to do but there's so much over top of it mm-hmm absolutely Steph I loved our conversation that we were having earlier and this is something I've been struggling with a lot so I was no offense selfishly stoked to hear you were going through something <laughs> everyone always says that I was that. like praise god yeah. uh, it's not just me um we were talking about shedding Oof. and letting go of everything we ever thought to be true and questioning everything and being more confused slash clear uh-huh. than ever. Yeah. And what that feels like. Yeah. Why do you feel like right now you're at that point? Like what has brought you to this point where you're like, I have to question everything I ever believed to be my truth and now rewire and restructure my entire being. Well, definitely Justin, like definitely our relationship. And then before that, like, calling off my engagement for sure. And, like, I always talk about the rise and the fall. Like, the fall for sure. It's, like, you kind of have to figure it out and start over and decide. But, like, where I'm at now for sure is just what you were saying earlier of, like, now I have to decide. I know where I'm going and what I have with Justin and what this relationship is here to show me. But I have to choose to. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know. Well, I guess it was also, like, the birth year you can talk about that because i don't really know much but yeah yeah you're essentially starting a new cycle mm-hmm. numerologically mm-hmm. Mm. so i'm so on like year one yeah you're like a newborn little baby yeah so i feel like a newborn baby yeah yeah so like even though people are like saying whoa you're like so strong you are so vulnerable like whatever you're courageous and like 
I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Starting At over. At this part of my life, I feel, yeah. And it was really a shift, like, on my birthday mm-hmm. where I honestly woke up. And leading up to it, I felt this, like, awakening of, like, I literally don't know anything anymore. I'm so confused. Everything I thought was true before is not true. Mm. And I get to decide, which is really beautiful, but also almost every experience in my life right now I don't know what's happening I don't know how to react I don't know what it says about me and it's beautiful because I can decide but I don't know so it's hard to decide Mm. I was talking about this last week about the closer we get to you know relearning and shedding and authenticity and our true like soul congruency the closer we get to the divine whatever the case may be is like the the we really are releasing this need to understand more and more and more and more just like i don't know yeah you know i really don't know i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah i always wanted to know everything and now i'm in this place where it's like it's kind of fun to not know and being with connor has brought this up it's like you make me question everything and that's why i know i'm with Mm -hmm. you and it's in this amazing way of like expansion and transparency and like vulnerability of laying all my shit on the table and being like all right I like these three things this is the thing I've been suppressing I'm gonna explore that let's look into this thing Mm -hmm. that I don't really know much about but I'm kind of attracted to and I was like I was telling you earlier it feels like you have all these pieces and they've been put together but they've been mismatched and now all of a sudden everything's restructuring so that the puzzle actually looks like the picture it's supposed to But it's like, holy shit. And every time you feel like you've gone in and you've done the deep work and then you come up for a fresh breath of air, you're like, Something <gasps> back into it. Back mm-hmm. back in. And it's exhausting because you're like, whoa, thought I was healed. Yeah. Healing. I thought I healed that or part. Or I thought I thought I thought I worked through yeah. this and, and I'm still again. working through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Connor, the other day, had a moment. He was having a really hard time at this party we were at and we left early and he was kind of being weird the whole way home. And I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You know, whatever. Maybe he doesn't feel well. And then we get home and he was like, he was on the couch and he was like, I just, I need a moment to like work through this. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like giving him a space. I have no idea what's going on. And then I, I walk out and I talk to him and he's like, I thought I healed this so long ago. And I got so triggered and I'm like having to like rework through this whole thing I thought I had worked through. And that's where I've been for the last like two months where I'm like, shit keeps coming up when we're doing like ayahuasca or mushrooms or whatever. And uh, and things keep coming up to where it's like, I thought I healed this months ago, but it's so profound it's coming up or it's coming up in a different way where I didn't know it affected me. And I was just like watching him kind of go through this. And I was like, yes, like this is what happens. We think we heal something and then we get into a new situation and it's triggered in a different way. And it has to heal from a different place. A different perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yes. God, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Going 360 all the way all like around the perspectives of, you know, 360 all the way around. Yeah. Okay, try it from this angle Mm -hmm. and this angle and Mm -hmm. this angle. And then like, wow, I'm still, I'm working through this from all of these different perspectives Mm -hmm. and angles and viewpoints. Yeah. It's a lot. And is it like you kind of have to keep choosing to do the work or oh to God. do things differently yeah. you can ha- you can you can pause at a perspective or an angle for a really long time it's like get really kind of in that mm. i'm really g- and sometimes you know we can like there's no timeline on mm. terms of how we move through the experience or how long it takes mm. i'm so curious what 
like cycle or pattern everyone thinks like all of us are like in or working through yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah so tell us in what way <laughs> what do you mean like for me I always feel like I'm in this okay well first of all does everyone have the app the pattern no no because they're not on android oh, right this pattern. pattern get on android is human design based or it's based on it's based on astro transit mm. um, and kind of like different aspects of the birth chart but it um, breaks it down and like it doesn't use any kind of astro um, mm. terminology at all so it just kind of breaks it down and gives a really and it shows you kind of like which patterns and cycles and transits mm. that you're moving through at their different points mm. mm-hmm. i also think though with stuff coming up like you just shared similar to talking about how there's constantly noise in the world mm-hmm. i feel like each trigger is just kind of strengthening the depth of your healing totally absolutely because the world is never going to be totally quiet your life is never going to be totally void of triggers until i live in a yurt in the mountains in netherland with, with you yeah and then yeah. there's charlie until we trigger each other. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I just, I, I used to resent triggers so much and get so frustrated. And I feel like, and like, man, I thought I, I had this, like you mm-hmm. said. And now I really look at them as an opportunity to look at it from a different angle or to prove to myself, yeah, that was a trigger, but mm-hmm. I handled it way better than I would have three years ago, yes. which further proves that I have healed this. There's still room to heal more, mm-hmm. but and even with Connor, he recognized that it was a trigger. Would he have back in the day? Probably not. Mm-mm. He would have just immediately reacted. Mm-hmm. And he took the time to quiet down and sit on the couch and process and then share that he was processing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we think healing has a clear start and end. Mm-hmm. It's really just, sorry to break it to the people that are listening. Like it lasts your whole journey. Oh, it's yeah. forever thing. Never over. Yeah. Wait, I want to go back. What was your question? What do you want to know? Yeah, what patterns we're working I don't know through? If it made sense. It will Just once like we see the app. Yeah, I don't know. I know what you mean. Kind of like, you know, we're all orbiting each other in this big planet Earth mm-hmm. rock and moving through different things at different times mm-hmm. and we're interacting with each other as we're doing so. It's just interesting to see, like, what, you know, like what that. are they working through behind the scenes? What kind of triggers are coming up for them mm-hmm. behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Because I always feel like for me, it's always the same thing in a different way. Mm. And then at the root of it, I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like for me right now, it's like this deep, am I important to the people around me? Mm-hmm. And it shows up in a million different ways, like so many different ways. Mm. But when I get to the core, th- it's the same thing. Mm. For me, the thing that is triggering me a lot in my relationship, like I said earlier, is not feeling chosen. Yeah. 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 And in a past relationship, I had a situation where I wasn't chosen, as all of you know, details of that, but I went into an adult tantrum, which was so weird. I've never really had that before, but I had like a, I was like a five-year-old again and I felt like I wasn't being chosen Mm -hmm. and I felt like I wasn't being seen and no one was listening to me and I was freaking out and I was crying and I was like hitting the wall and I noticed that that same feeling comes up in my relationship of like any time I feel like I'm not good enough or I'm scared I'm he's gonna leave me um 
or that, you know, if he, if he thinks someone else is attractive mm-hmm. and that makes me less than, mm-hmm. and then I'm not chosen. And then it's like this whole spiral. So that's the, the biggest thing for me that I'm working through right yeah. now is like repatterning that and knowing that just because there's another pretty girl doesn't mean that he loves me less or that he's just going to like bail on me for another chick. Well, yeah. And other people's worth doesn't take away from yours. Right. Ooh, and that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, I talk about that. It's easy to oh, say, yeah. but then to feel it and to know it yes. and to have that, um, that foundation in your relationship, it's, it's really difficult. It is. Yeah. For me, I had this realization the other day that, and yeah, there's so much to it, but at the basis, it's really not about him. Right. Anything that comes up for me is like, totally. this is not a him thing to Mm-mm. fix. This is a me thing to fix. So I tend to like not say the thing in the moment and then like bottle up about 10 different things mm-hmm. and then throw it at him mm. and be like, okay, so make me feel better. Mm. Basically. And it's like, it's not for him. I can express it and have the desire to be seen, but it's not this is a me fix. thing. This yeah. is for me to heal, not I'm for someone else to heal. I'm curious what your perspective is on that because I've been, I and all of you actually, I've been toying with this idea and I can't come to a conclusion. So if there is something that I am doing that I know triggers an insecurity or something that feels bad for him, mm-hmm. does he need to deal with his own insecurity or do I need to not do the thing that I know triggers him? Mm-hmm. I, I think, think it depends what it is. Yeah. I think sometimes your trigger is possibly part of your soul contract Mm. right? where he was meant to be with you because he was meant to work on this certain thing and you trigger it for him. Yeah, I feel that. If it's like a toxic, unhealthy thing, then obviously respect that and don't and kind of like shift because you're in the co-creation. Right. So, and that's hard to gauge, but... I think you have to give him room to grow just like he gives you room to grow. And sometimes that's through triggers. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because we tend to tiptoe around the people we love so mm-hmm. we don't yeah. trigger them. Mm-hmm. When yeah. actually they kind of need us to yeah. trigger them. And like if I think of the times when I've been the most like the growth happens, it's because someone triggered the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was forced to look at it. Absolutely. So my thing right now is like, And this is where I feel like Connor is so far ahead of me in his growth because he started in personal development so much earlier than me. And he's a little older. Um, I feel like I verbalize everything. Like, Mm -hmm. you did this. It didn't make me feel good. I don't like it. I don't want you to do it. Blah, blah, blah. He is like, you do things that trigger me or upset me all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't say anything. I deal with it because I know it's my own shit. And then I'm like, well, why don't you tell me? Because I want to know so that I don't do it. And right. he's like, it's not for you to change. So then I'm in this weird place. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but I always verbalize it. And I know we're different, men and women, obviously. But I'm like, am I supposed to not mm-hmm. want you to change that action that makes me upset? Mm-hmm. Like, I, d- I don't know what the answer is. Because this is like uncharted territory for me. Here's my take. And I'm not a psychic medium yeah or so are you sure anything well i'm in her mediumship so i'm getting there okay. but she's under my mentorship um i can see auras um wait i didn't know that i can yeah. i think here's my theory that you trigger him in that way because you're challenging the life that he has lived thus far mm-hmm. which is i deal with shit on my own mm. 
and you're his mm. invitation and gateway to what co-living looks like and co-creation looks like and co-working yeah. through shit looks like and that's mm-hmm. uncomfortable for him but you just keep talking at him and let him know because Mike is the same way Mike internalizes everything and anything mm. and I will talk at him and be like hey work with me here talk with me mm. listen to me and he just works with it differently so I think you and I are kind of in their world to be like hey you can do things differently and mm-hmm. you're safe to do so you know what actually that so resonates so the first time we did mushrooms we were in Joshua Tree and we were walking and it was like kind of the end and I said um I don't know he was working through something and I said can I share like what I think and I see for you and he was like yeah and I said I think Oh, we were talking about how do you want to deal with things? Do you want to be left alone? Do you want someone to like be there with you? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think that you have been doing things on your own your whole life. And I think you chose to be with me because you know that I will be here with you to go through it with you and show up for you. Mm-hmm. So that makes so much sense. Because so he was like, yeah, I think you're well, right. Your medicine is his, is, is his medicine and yeah. his medicine is your medicine. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Is that why people come together? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so how do you know? Okay, you asked me this question. Yeah. Like how did you know? Mm. How do you think we know? Like, this is... Because I feel like sometimes we think we know, right? I mean, if we listen to our intuition, we actually did know it wasn't. Right. But how do you know when, like, this is the soul contract? This was what we're here Wait, before do. you answer that, though, explain what a soul contract is. Yeah. Am I from my experience and my kind of what what I've experienced and what I've learned and heard and you know from spirit is um, a soul contract is essentially an agreement we make with another person another soul before we get here on some level in some capacity whether that is long term short term you know whether that's a day or whether that's 25 years and you know it's like kind of almost like what Kelly was talking about I'm going to kind of you know trigger you in this way so that we can kind of guide you in towards this this epiphany or this realization and this is kind of ha- what you're going to do for me and things like that so it's a really intimate mutual understanding um but in terms of yeah how do we know well i, w- I would say that um there's <laughs> i always tell people that you know there's a there's always an initial kind of response mm. that we tend to bury under a bunch of you know different information or opinion or you know mind like there's an initial response, an initial kind of soul recognition that, you know, we can bring ourselves back to. And there's times where we kind of disappear into the mind sort of thing and go, oh, well, you know, they're too good for me or, you know, you know, I'm not good enough for them or, you know, things like that. But I would say it's a, it's a, it's, it's an instant recognition Mm -hmm. that we just kind of, that isn't buried or, um, by anything else, whether that's the mind or, Mm -hmm you know, oh, well, you know, like, are you sure that, you know, things like that, other people's opinions, things like that. It's a, ra- it, it's hard, it is hard to explain. It really is a feeling. Um, it, it is. Yeah. How do you, cause this is like the number one question I get. How do you manifest that partner? Mm. Or how do you signal to the universe or whatever? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready now. Yeah. You do the work. What is the work? The work. Well, I think that we you know what i work with a lot of people on this is if they're you know either trying to call in a relationship or a partnership or 
you know, they, um, that's, they really want that. That's like, that's the next thing that they want. They're looking for it everywhere. You know, they're either dating or looking or, you know, um, online dating or being set up on dates or things like that. And I think that there is always for every person, like in my, in my work, I have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of sessions and readings for people all over the world. And there's been maybe two, two people who are literally just supposed to kick this life, like pretty much independent. And they know that already, you know, that two people. So we are here to be in partnership. We are here to be in relationship. We are here to co-create. And I think that, um, you know, there's a timing thing and there's experiences that we have to have sometimes before we, before we kind of call in these people. So, you know, (laughs) it's easy for other people to look at other people's experiences in terms of manifesting a partner go oh my god I want that I want that now you know and and w- y- that's the thing you know you will mm-hmm. be in a, a, like a committed partnership one day and th- you know I think that's a big fear for people is like will I ever really have that mm-hmm. um you know and and 99% of the time the yeah. answer is yes um and you know sometimes there are just things that we need to address before we enter into partnership into a healthy partnership um you know, for someone who's consciously trying to call someone in around our worth or, you know, our fears or our triggers or things like that. So, I mean, what I recommend to people is what is your, you know, if they're trying to call in or manifest a partner, what is your, why do you feel like that's not going to happen for you, you know, at some point? Um, And then that usually opens up a conversation just around, well, you know, this, 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 and it's like, okay, let's go into that. And then you know, at that point, there, there, there comes a readiness, too. And then they start mm-hmm. to vibrate and attract and things like that. And the person gets closer and closer and closer. Like, this happens with partners. This happens with babies. This happens mm-hmm. with jobs and careers and things like that. Like, what, we, what we're trying to call in, what we're trying to um, have vibrationally in our life is literally always in our energy field. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it's, it's coming closer. It's orbiting closer. It's just a matter of kind of... Um, looking at you know looking at the fear looking at whatever and then calling it in um so yeah it's <laughs> it's it's different it's different person to person and there's definitely not a there's definitely not a magic pillar or formula or things like that and the way that you know that that you have kind of called in a partner you know you are in partnership is not going to look the same yeah for another person but i i definitely encourage people to look at worth a lot mm. their worth their own self-worth um, things like that because a lot of that you know is tied up in partnership mm. um, and when you start looking at that before you're calling in a partner uh, it opens up a lot mm. well sorry. sorry I was just gonna say I think for me and I always joke like Connor and I always say like we I always say you fell out of the sky and I say I manifested him and he feels the same way and I say that very seriously because Coming out of my last relationship, I got very clear about what I wanted. And I was I was unapologetic about what I wanted because I finally felt where I that I got to a point where I had clarity. And I was like, this is what I want in a partner, in myself, in my life, in co-creating, in how I want to be treated, being chosen, that they've done their work, they can support me, there is no codependence, blah, blah, blah. Like my list was so clear and I had never done that before. I really took the time to get clear for myself, write that down and ask the universe for it. I journaled every single day Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get to you in a second because I want you to talk about this. Journaling every single day starting in December when my life basically came crashing down 
And I was like, no, I'm asking for what I want. I'm coming from gratitude. I am creating what I want in my life. I am energetically putting this out into the world so that I can make space Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. thing. And I swear fucking God, Connor dropped out of the freaking universe and was like in my face. I was in love with him before I ever met him. And I was like, you're my person. We are done. I walked towards him for the first time we met. And I was like, game over. There Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Because you stood in it. Yes. I stood in it. Mm. That's it. God almighty. Yeah. And it wasn't even like this overly done thing. My journal was like a college notebook. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't matter. You do that every day in magic mornings. You taught me that. Yeah. Like I learned that from you. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest shift for me, I did, I was super clear on what I wanted, but for me, um, the thing in like my last relationship was I didn't like who I was Mm. in the relationship. It wasn't actually a him. I hated who I was showing up as. Mm -hmm. I hated how I felt about myself because it just was so out of alignment who I was, who I actually am. And so I was actually like way more clear on who I wanted to be in a relationship than who I actually wanted in a relationship. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. And I think the focus, I mean, it's so annoying when you want something and then people tell you like release the want for that thing. Right. Like we always say, like just let it go. Yeah. Let it go and it'll come. But, and it's so annoying. But like for me, it kind of was that like my in that time frame, like my focus was 1000 percent on me. Mm-hmm. And like, who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And to be in a relationship like I am now, who do I have to show up as? Who do I want to show up as? What is that? And like stepping into that energy. And like you said, like standing in that. Mm-hmm. And people always want to know, like, OK, how did you find someone on Bumble in like online dating is filled with like not great stuff but it was because i was just showing up in the energy of what i wanted mm-hmm. and who i and wanted you didn't to be. waver and i did not waver yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like you can't get clear on who you're supposed to be with or what the relationship looks like until you're clear on who you are mm-hmm. because your energy field is full of that mm-hmm. and if you're putting out fear or um need or codependence or lack or whatever you're gonna get that back yeah yeah but if you put out clarity and confidence and like this is what i want this is how i want to co-create you're gonna get that back you're gonna Mm -hmm. get someone who wants the same things Mm -hmm. and it's like we were talking about earlier it's so easy but it's so hard because you're doing the work with someone who is like you on that same Mm -hmm. vibration but your connection is easy the understanding is easy Mm -hmm the daily love is easy Mm -hmm. and it's there yeah and in the beginning for me it was so hard and I always had to come back to that like my own unwavering Mm -hmm. and like what I knew to be true Mm -hmm. and that like that didn't require outside validation Mm. gratitude has played a huge part in that for me too and I, I talk about this a lot now. I don't feel like I came from a place of gratitude until the last year of my mm-hmm. life. Same. Even like with my parents, like I don't feel like I've been grateful for what they've done for me and mm-hmm. grateful for people I've been with or friendships I've had or amazing, you know, a full ride scholarship to USC and all these different jobs and things. Like I don't feel like I've come from a place of gratitude until recently. And when you come from a place of gratitude, that changes everything Mm -hmm. because I feel that the universe responds to gratitude and joy and an abundant feeling in your body Mm -hmm. rather than 
why is this happening to me Mm -hmm. and why am I a victim Mm -hmm. and why is my life so hard and I don't have this and I wish I had that and why can't I have these things it's like if you're grateful for what you have even without all this other stuff that maybe you do want then you're able to build upon that Mm. it's such a different mindset to enter the day with when you feel different yeah you feel different but like I read your your magic mornings journal every morning because you post Mm -hmm. it and like gratitude is a central part and a central theme of everything you do. It's yeah. like even when you are so fucking confused mm-hmm. and you don't know what's happening, you're sick in Costa Rica and like all these things. It's like I'm so grateful. This is everything I ever wanted. And mm-hmm. like a man of my dreams and I'm in Costa Rica mm-hmm. and like my success and my career. And it's like, yeah, girl, because yeah. like, yeah, you might not feel good and you're sick, but like look at all the other great shit that's happening. Yeah. And then watch how quickly you come out of being sick or whatever yeah. negative thing it is because your core is gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me want to cry because it's true. And I think when we think about gratitude, we think we have to be, like, everything has to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, to be grateful, everything in my life has to be perfect. Yes. And in those moments when I'm like, whoa, mm. this is my life. He's my partner. This is exactly what I wanted to call in. That also doesn't mean that I'm in a place of, like, pure bliss and joy. Yeah. Yes. I think that's important. That's super important for people to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How does that play a role for you when you're dealing with chronic illness and all these transitions you're going through right now mm-hmm. and being in gratitude? I think the biggest thing I've learned over the past year is that the universe matches whatever you put out. Mm. It matches the gratitude and brings in all the good stuff, but it also matches like if you're sitting in that victim role or you're sitting in that hopelessness role or you're sitting in that I'm going to be sick forever space. Um, it floods frequencies of that towards you. Mm. So for me, I've had to really shift my energy around what I'm grateful for. And I've always said to feel all of the feels, but I've never allowed myself to actually feel all Mm. of the feels and feel all of them at one time. So I think getting okay with feeling grateful for the rise and the fall Mm. like Steph says and also weirdly grateful for experiencing chronic illness because that truly is what forced me to slow down it's what created the space and the lack of noise for me to hear my inner voice for the first time Mm. it really has propelled me to this exact moment connecting with each of you having just written a book and be okay with not knowing exactly what the future holds you know we we did magic mornings this morning all together here in the cabin and the prompt that stephanie gave us was to write about what your next level magic life feels like and looks like but especially feels like and i was glad that you said to focus on what it feels like Mm -hmm. because i really don't know what it looks like at this point because i feel like i am also like we were talking about this morning on this ledge of becoming yeah and I don't know what's on the other side I can't see it but I'm still walking towards it and also kind of waiting for the ground to drop yeah. beneath my feet but trust that it's going to be epic and I think staying in that space of gratitude for the shit that's happened in your life yeah. and the gratitude for the good stuff that's happened in your life and how it's all interconnected somehow mm is really, really important and crucial in whatever your next level magic life is, but also what it is right now. 
Yeah. I have so many questions that just flooded my brain for you. But the biggest one I feel like that so many people struggle with is like, how do you honor what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. And then also not, how do I want to word this? Like, how do you honor what, so if you're saying like the universe matches what you put out. Yep. Like, how do you honor what you're feeling and then also put out the energy of what you want to come back to you? Yeah. So I always say I allow myself to honor how I'm feeling, but I never wallow in it Mm. or sit in it for too long. I visualize any emotion that I'm feeling kind of as a wave and I allow it to crash over me, but then the wave always gets pulled back out to shore and something new comes in. So for me, one phrase in particular that's been really powerful for me that I share with um, my clients that have chronic illness or are going through divorce or going through depression, eating disorder, whatever, sometimes naming how you're feeling is the hard part. And then knowing how to acknowledge it and honor it, but then also shift it feels completely impossible when you're like, I don't even know how I feel to start Mm -hmm. with. So getting clear with whatever emotion it is you're feeling in that moment whether it be exhaustion or depression or frustration or anger and actually saying out, like I say this out loud is I acknowledge that in this moment I am feeling hopeless and then I always end it with, but still I rise. Mm. So it's like you're recognizing and you're kind of calling into the light. I feel like shit in this moment, but I know that I am a strong woman. I know that I'm worthy of more. So I'm still going to rise. So you're acknowledging the yuck Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of ending that mantra or phrase or meditation or whatever with knowing that you'll get through it Mm -hmm. and kind of telling the universe like okay I'm ready to rise match that Mm. yeah and that all of it is all a part of it yeah and one of the things as you were talking to give something we were talking about earlier of like feeling like okay we let people see our worst self yeah like what if that's not really our worst self Mm. (laughs) that is just Mm -hmm. it like part of because we I think Emily and I have talked about this before like we label okay this is a hard conversation versus like when it's something that's like feels like oh my god what are they gonna say what is this gonna say about me versus like a conversation about something that's like feels quote-unquote good yeah it's like we label it so what if like our worst self versus our best self that's just like ourself yeah Yeah. it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be good or bad yeah because it brings so much shame like, that's like oh that's my worst self shit the good girl yeah the labels the girl yeah yeah the boxes or the bad guy or the good guy yeah what do you think about that like what you're putting out to the universe because mm-hmm. mm. i feel like when you're in a what we were just saying like when you're in a place where you don't feel quote-unquote high vibe oh, or yeah. well that that's misunderstood right it's like don't think that yeah. It's like if you think that, then, you know, then, and, and I think that, the, you know, there, it's like d- if you think that, then, you mm-hmm. know, then something bad is going to happen. Yeah, is that true in your mind? No, absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. I mean, that's so damaging. That's saying yeah. essentially, you know, uh, you, there's no, you have to, uh, not just creating more repression. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't feel safe, which is just kind of, you know, it's newer age sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, I think it's really damaging. I think that uh, it's actually it's 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 healthier energetically, physically, emotionally for us to be like um, 
yeah, to, to sit in it, to, to honor it, to acknowledge it rather than saying it's fine, it's fine. No, no, it's okay. It's, I'm not feeling that way. I'm feeling, you know, band-aid, you mm. know, this, that kind of thing. It's, it's okay to have both, you know, and that's not going to mess up anything. Yeah. It's not going to mess up anything that you're trying to call in, call in um, whether that's partnership or, you know, yeah. um, health or vibrancy or um, things like that. You're, you're okay. You're, you're allowed to have both. Yeah. And it doesn't confuse. It doesn't send out mixed signals. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. Yeah, you know, and it, it is there's there's a clarity piece, but I think that we should never be afraid to kind of feel, you know, despair, and then you know we can pull ourselves back from that eventually. But I think that there's a like don't even go there, yeah. don't even go to that feeling or go to that thought or go to that whatever. It's like oh, what if I just let myself have it? Okay, that came up. Yeah, mm. yeah. cool. All right, let's move forward. I feel like that's being all in, mm. Mm. like honoring and embracing all of it yeah when I was in treatment and depression was really bubbling up and it was the first time in my entire life that I actually said I'm depressed Mm. to another person that person told me to sit with it and she was like just treat it as if it's your pet like a dog or a cat or something and just kind of know that it's there and we talk about this a lot when ego kind of surfaces we're like okay I see you And I recognize that in the past, this has been a comfortable relationship and we're really close and you tend to surface in these moments, Mm -hmm. but I'm okay now and you don't have to like protect me. Mm -hmm. You can sit with me Mm -hmm. and I honor and recognize the ego or the depression or the fear or the lack, but I'm going to do things a little bit differently now. So Mm -hmm. you can just kind of take a back seat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's so good. good. Absolutely. So I'm going to read something from Soulful Words from for the Healing Heart. Why can't I say that right ever? <laughs> Soulful Words for the Healing Heart. because I've had three glasses of wine. wine. It's fine. <laughs> no one judge me. All right. Dear sister, you are no different than the wilderness you love. You require sunlight to grow tall and strong. You have a natural beauty that breathes life into the soul of the world and inspires us deep in our core. You have a rhythm that we are drawn to, a unique blend of your life experience and dreams not yet dreamt that make us dance. You are the one in our focus, no matter what, no matter who or what surrounds you. You are a woman on the rise. Mm. (coughs) Who wrote that? I want to snap my finger. I wrote that on a rock in Colorado. I have wine in my hand, so I can't. So good. It's okay. Snaps. Snaps (laughs) for that. I mean, I want to read this whole book to everyone. But everyone that comes to Ceremony Wellness Live will get a copy of your book in their goodie bag. Mm, So proud of you. So good. Um, I would love for you to explain your book and why Mm -hmm. you felt called to put this amazingness out in the world at this point in your journey. So everyone always says, what's your book about? What kind of book is it? Um... It's a collection of poetry and what I have called soul musings. It is very much just whatever was on my heart in that moment. It's from the backs of napkins, the side of cups, my phone, backs of meeting notes on my Google Docs. Um, It was written during really dark times during my treatment and also times where I felt like Lyme has met its match and the world has met its match and I'm just going to kind of take it by storm. A lot of people ask if it's just for women and it's not. I always say if you have a heart and you're human, it's Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. 
it's for children, it's for adults, it's for people with chronic illness, men, women, whatever your story is, it's for you. Why I wrote it, I've always loved writing. And strangely, I've always written more when times are dark, and I tend to navigate away from it when life is really good. So the past couple of years have been really dark, and I wrote a lot. And in my mind, I wanted my book to be more of a memoir, chapters and long, thick, awesome sentences. And the brain fog was so bad that it just wasn't working. And instead of getting frustrated, well, no, that's not true. I, did, I definitely sat with frustration and didn't write for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realized that writing has never been frustrating. So I need to take it back to my roots, which is poetry and the umbrella poetry means something different for many people. So that's also why I threw in soul musings because I'm like, I don't know if this is other people's poetry, but this is what poetry is to me. Mm. Um, and I just started collecting everything and put it together timing-wise. I wasn't expecting to write a book anytime soon. I knew that I had it in me, but I didn't know when or what it would look like or how I would get it published or or that it would be a bestseller in the first day definitely not that (laughs) definitely not that um it was May 17th it was my sister's birthday my six-year anniversary with Mike and I was like I mean let's just add one more epic thing to the day day? (laughs) so I self-published through Amazon and saw that it would take 72 hours and then I was like oh is that date does that date have significance I don't know um the photo on the cover was taken by my sister Alexa when I took a trip to visit her on her birthday last year Mm. before my treatment started so it just felt all too not okay to not do it on that day so by May 18th it was available on Amazon and people bought it, which blew my mind. A lot of people bought it. I was number one on the poetry written by women new release list on Amazon. Number eight on the bestseller period for Amazon. Um, and it's been really cool to watch people order it and get it and be so excited and take pictures and share their favorite pages and... I have a lot of blank space in the book itself because I wanted it to be not something that you just read, but something that you live and add to. And so many people without me even suggesting it have started using it as a journal and writing their Mm. own thoughts in it or taking words from that book and screen printing them on t-shirts and on tote bags and reading it to their children at bedtime because they want to raise girls and boys who are in tune with how they feel and recognize their worth and it's been so surreal but Emily called it like a year ago that this was gonna happen (laughs) did you oh yeah (laughs) I was like there's a book inside you oh my god (laughs) but also so expansive for so many people who have ever wanted to create something or put Mm -hmm. something out into the world or Mm -hmm. write a book or a song or you know yeah create a movie or you know whatever it is or a program or coaching you know whatever it's like wow you just like the way it was like there was no barriers Mm -hmm. it was just like I'm going to self-publish I'm going to do this yeah I'm going to create my own artwork I'm going to write my own you know it's like yeah Mike didn't even know he came home and I was like guess what I did today he's like what it's like I published a book and he just kind of smiled and shook his head like 
Of course you did. What Ariel does, you know. Mm. I think just if you get to a place where you feel like your story is worthy of being heard because you understand that everyone's story is worth worthy of being heard there's really no barrier that you have to break through Mm. because there's a ton of books of poetry out there there's a ton of psychic mediums a ton of coaches and podcasts Mm. and all this stuff but there isn't mine and there isn't yours Mm -hmm. so therefore there's space for you yep emily for people that want to work with you can you explain more about all the different things that you offer um and kind of what that journey looks like yeah so I mainly work right now, I mainly work um, one-on-one online and I call my, the work that I do healing sessions. I don't call them readings um, for very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really that, you know, I think that there is so much that can come up in session that is not necessarily just a reading. Sometimes it's just healing. Sometimes it's just talking, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's actually like you know what can can I do here sometimes it's rerouting them back to their own intuition a lot of the times that's what it is um but yeah I do I give I give readings I um I give psychic readings I do mediumship readings for those who are looking to connect with um their past loved ones which I think is one of my most favorite things that I do um I mean I love everything that I do but it's so special being able to just show and actually really demonstrate um life after death and that our ancestors and our loved ones are really still here and communicating with us and you know one of my mediumship mentors says like our loved ones are a thought a feeling and a realm away like Mm. they really are so close and uh so showing that and I feel like that actually mediumship often opens up so so many other doors and pathways for people just in their own healing and things like that outside of just connecting with their loved ones so I do that I also work with people one-on-one who are looking to kind of, because that, one of the things that I believe in, I believe this really strongly, is that every every single person who, you know, comes onto this planet is, is intuitive. And, you know, I always kind of like giggle and chuckle. You know, psychic medium is just a label that I use because it's the easiest way to kind of d- express what I do. But, you know, really everyone in this room and everyone on this planet is completely psychic and completely has this medium, you know, ship ability the same way that I do. It's really just a matter of development. Mine is very strong when I'm with you, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You amplify my psychic medium. (laughs) So I I work with people who are kind of looking to um, open that up more, kind of learn to get more in touch with their intuition, or maybe they're already there and they're looking to kind of, um, you know, learn how to connect mediumistically as well or psychically as well, things like that. So I love doing that as well. I think it's just really empowering for a lot of people because it's kind of like, I think it's very old paradigm where it's like we put these people on pedestals and say Mm. like, oh, they have the answers. They have what I need to know or things like that. And really, we're all just learning and, you know, learning from each other. Mm. I learn more from my clients than. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Wow, that's that was incredible. Well, and then you also do the human design, which I I know people are obsessed with right now. So if they want to learn anything about their human design, you're the person for that, for sure. I love it. I'm so passionate. And the astrological, what did she, what did she do with you and Justin? Like your astrological charts? Kind of like a charts, um, synastry, sort of like we compared and just. Yeah, which was so cool. Yeah. Because it gives you like insight into your partner's process, Mm -hmm. which is very different than your own. Yeah. So when I have things where like he triggers me or I don't understand why he's doing the thing and I think it's about me like when we first started dating I would always think like 
oh, if he doesn't do blank, then like I'm not enough. Or mm-hmm. like, why is he doing that when whatever? And then Emily was able to give that insight. Like, that's just his process. This is the way he sees the world, what he needs. And it's not the same as you. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's so. Yeah. And then it gave you the insight and the understanding. And so when, you know, he was processing something in a certain yeah. way. Like, oh, oh, it's not about me. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not me. It's not personal. Give him the space to yeah. do that. Yeah. And let your partner process in the way that they need to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, like to give you credit, not even in that like situation, but with, I would never honestly i don't think have called off my engagement if it wasn't for you mm-hmm. <laughs> which like people listening are like oh my god i'm <laughs> not going to her <laughs> no but totally like, ruthless yeah. we've never really until my ex died i never had a okay i'm gonna get this wrong what's psychic what's medium well, psychic is really just reading energy yeah off of people places things objects etc mediumship is channeling. mediumship is is connecting with a specific spirit energies yeah. who have passed or whether that's spirit guides or which we never did in my nope. sessions until johnny passed away yeah but it was like the most life-changing thing for me to get like validation from you mm-hmm. from spirit mm. yeah. that what you think is true is true mm. yeah. yeah yeah and it came when you needed it right 100 mm. percent. yeah always yeah. So like that's such a huge gift for people because I know like for me I always thought like well I don't really know that many people who passed away so I don't really need to connect yeah but that's not just what you do right yeah and it's so in that point in my life like that was so supporting so like life changing yeah mm. I always say like to people if you only knew mm. if you only knew how many like beings or mm-hmm. ancestors or guides or angels or whatever were trying to communicate with you I mean. Yeah. What was the card we pulled this morning that was like, if you only knew how supported supported you were, Mm. surrounded you are, you would never live a day in worry or fear or anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you could only see. Yeah. And that's the thing. Which you allow people to see. Yeah. And that's like, wow, I really have that. Mm. Yeah. All all the time. Yeah. It never leaves. That's that's one of the favorite my favorite things about what I do, and and then they they start to have their own experience with it. It's amazing. Yeah. And and you have. Mm-hmm. Steph, tell everyone about Magic Mornings and how they can work with you because I love what you're doing right it's now. It's so funny because when you were talking to Emily, I was like, I know she's about to turn to me and be like, What do you do? Wait, can we tell the story about you guys crossing the border and you having a fucking panic <laughs> attack and being like, I have a podcast. <laughs> Please stop asking no, me questions. Let's do it. It's like such a theme, too, of what I was just saying. Like, I'm in this stage of like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know who I am, what I'm doing. Yeah. But anyways, you. we were crossing the border. We're Canadian, Emily and I, and we were going into Buffalo to fly into Denver. And everyone knows, like, I mean, I can't be the only one who panics at the border. Yeah. I do. Please. About fresh fruit. Right. Yeah. 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 And so Freaking like organic vegans over here. Yeah. <laughs> long former. Yeah. Former story organic longer. vegans. <laughs> long story short, basically, the border guy was, like, asking where we're going. I said Denver. They asked why. I said to see a friend. They said, how do you know a friend in Denver? I said online business, major fail. As soon as I said it in my brain, I was like, <laughs> shoot, you shouldn't have said business. Yep. So I already started panicking. My heart was racing. And then he says, what did you say? Are you doing business there? Oh no, yeah. no, no. Before that, why did I say? What oh, do you do? He wanted oh, he to goes, know. Well, what's your business? And I just said, I have a podcast. And she leans back. <laughs> and I'm just staring at the border guy like, what am I going to say to this man? Yeah, I'm thinking like, and honestly, that's why I panic because I'm like, what am I going to tell them? Emily talks to dead people. I know. She looks at me like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you I was like panicking for you. But for some reason, like I just blurted out that I have a podcast. And that was the only thing. This guy's like. 
this guy what is happening these cute he little white girls that are so terrified yeah. yeah well now you're heading back to the border with cbd coffee so yeah. wow i hope this episode not does even not weed. go out before we <laughs> yeah. dear People at the border. You'll already be they have no all the drugs. <laughs> Emily and I panicked. And they talked to dead people for a good twenty-five minutes about should we take the coffee? Jesus, it's just coffee with yeah. CBD. Should we take it out of the package and put it in a different package? Should I tell them that I have CBD? Or should I not? It's not Should illegal. we grind so like, it or leave it? Are we gonna? Bean? And then we're like, okay, will you bail us out of jail for this? Coffee? When we're in the border jail in handcuffs. <laughs> I'll come get you guys. Will That's you be there said. in hey, Buffalo? We'll come yeah. together. Ariel and I will fly with out with the podcast microphones on and some yeah. weed. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> we'll be high. Yeah. We'll it's be like, it's fine in Colorado. It's legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but like, we have to preface it, it is legal in Canada. Yes. Yes. So like, right. it's not that big of a deal. No, you're just it's weird. Just, like, we're just the thought of crossing a border with like. It's just CBD anyways. It's yeah. It's anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so how anyway. do you work with people and change their lives, lady? <laughs> Magic mornings. I Jesus. feel like I'm the, the reason like that question makes me like, ah, uh, I don't know. It's because I feel like I am in a, in a, I don't know, stage of like transition and figuring it out. But with Magic Mornings, it, we were talking about that yesterday. It's kind of this thing that I just did for myself and like saw the magic of it and started to share it. And then everyone else started to experience like, the mm-hmm. same magic so so much is coming up with that but i want to say it but i do it so say no, it. I, say no this it. is the place i don't think i can well, about what you're launching soon. yeah oh yeah we're not sure when this launches. yeah so i don't know <laughs> everyone will know soon enough i'll post all about it you're yeah, gonna know about the amazing thing that you can order from stuff that's ridiculous and you're gonna want it so just ready. stay tuned it's, it's almost it's almost it. ready it may come in a thing that looks like a box that has oh some things in it <laughs> i feel so nervous don't be nervous it's anyway. gonna be epic <laughs> i'm gonna use it yeah. everyone else is gonna use it yeah it's fine but also just I think the thing that I love the most is just mentoring around like finding your own intuition and what that means because it's so different for everyone. People, you know, like I launched a 10 day magic morning manifestation journey. And for a lot of people, like when you just take the same thing someone else does, it doesn't actually feel that good. And we like try and force it to, to fit. So for a lot of the women I work with, it's like, yeah, mentorship is like, here's what I do. Mm -hmm. Like, but also is that actually what you want to do? And I think for a lot of us, it's just, we don't actually stop and figure out what is it that I want? What is it that actually feels good for me? So my favorite thing to do is to just help women like get back to that. Like what, what is your intuition saying Mm. and then actually doing it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's so good at it too. I love you guys. Um, What about you? So my own personal plug (laughs) since half of my speakers are in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Ceremony Wellness Live, bitches. October 5th in Los Angeles. Live music. By the way, I'm going to make you play out. So if you want to pick up your guitar, you're going to play a song as we finish the figure out what you're going to do. Hope you have a song ready. Um, Ariel is going to play live for us, which is going to be epic. Steph is going to be speaking. We're not sure on what yet because we are formatting the day as we speak, but something along the lines of maybe leading a magic morning mm-hmm. slash talking about manifesting the love of your life and mentoring women and women supporting women and having your own podcast. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. (laughs) I talk about stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you guys want to come and hang out with all the peeps, you can get your tickets at kellytenda.com slash live. 
again october 5th in la it's gonna be like a full day of healing and manifesting magic and i'm so excited it's gonna be so fun you can already feel the magic i think we found our venue today too It's Dear epic. God, I've said that on three podcasts now, and they've all yeah. fallen through. So um, this, <laughs> this needs to be the one. This yeah. is the one because we were all together in this house when you found so it. So much magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You want to do this? She's ready. ready. Let me get your microphone. Hold on a second. All right. Oh, jeez. It's not breaking. Tell me what you're feeling I can take the pain Tell me that you mean it You won't leave again Tell me what your heart wants Such a simple thing my heart, it's like paper Yours is like a flame heart is like paper yours is like a flame I can make you see if you don't buy I'll get 